So it, it doesn't necessarily fall along party lines. There, there, this isn't really a partisan issue, um, you know, in the face of, of record high inflation and, and bank runs and failures. Uh, this, this isn't an issue that's, that's political necessarily. A lot of people are, are naturally waking up to the importance um, and the understanding that something is going on uh, with what is with America's funny money. Welcome to the Gold Exchange Podcast, where we untangle market and policy complexity using timeless economic principles. For show notes and archives, go to goldexchangepodcast.com. Now, on to today's episode. Welcome back to the Gold Exchange Podcast. My name is Benjamin Vern Nadelstein. I'm joined, as always, with founder and CEO of Monetary Metals, Keith Weiner, and I'm joined by... Our special guest for the day, policy director at the Sound Money Defense League, JP Cortez. JP, how are you doing? Hey, Ben, I'm doing great. Thank you all for having me on. Absolutely. So if you haven't seen our first episode with JP, I highly recommend watching it. That'll give you a quick, brief overview of what they are doing over there at the Sound Money Defense League. But JP, give us a quick, brief overview for someone who doesn't know you or what you guys are doing over there. Yeah, sure thing. So the Sound Money Defense League is a nonpartisan uh, sound money advocacy group. Uh, we believe that uh, the gold standard wasn't didn't fail, it was killed. Um, and the reason that gold and silver aren't used as money today is largely because of all of the impediments, the friction surrounding its use. Um, so with that in mind, we go state to state advocating for policies uh, to, to ease the use, to remove these disincentives. That can be the removal of tax on the purchase or on the sale, the use of the metal. Uh, in some cases now, it's states themselves deciding to uh, bolster state reserves or pension funds with physical gold held within the state um, and and uh, different different topics, different things like that. Um, so we go state to state and on the federal level as well, um, advocating for policies uh, to re-monetize constitutional sound money um, that is gold and silver. You know, it's interesting you say that, JP. I just tweeted, I don't know if it was yesterday or the day before, and I said, the gold standard didn't fail. Uh, liberty doesn't fail. It was killed by government that was, I don't know if I got into this in my tweet, but the government was ready to march everybody off to war, right? And 19, you know, the eve of 1914. And um, of course, that was the progressive era where people thought they could vote themselves lots of free goodies and the gold standard kind of got in the way of that a little bit. So actually it was working. But they regarded that not as a feature, but as a bug, and still like, oh well, let's just let's just end it. Um, and they created the Fed, and, and the rest is history. I actually, um, yeah, kind of along those same lines, I uh, spoke at a Mises Circle event uh, that took place in Banner Elk, North Carolina, um, on Friday of this past week. And oh, cool. um, one of our sponsors of, of one of our bills is there. We're working uh, on some legislation in North Carolina that I'm sure we'll discuss. Um, here a little later. Um, but while I was speaking, I was speaking on sound money and I I sort of I forgot he was in the room and and kind of went on about how, you know, the, the, it's the politicians don't like gold because gold is honest money, right? And politicians are dishonest people. They don't they don't like money that that keeps them in check. This is a, these are shackles essentially for a politician. Right. So understandably, they wouldn't like that. Um, how inconvenient, how terribly inconvenient. Hmm. Yeah, showing showing financial restraint or any sort of fiscal responsibility at all, um, you know, it's it, it it's they've shown time and time again this isn't something that they practice. This isn't something that they can be trusted with. So, JP, yeah. I, I want to jump in here 
on the sound money index that you guys produce every single year, you actually rank every single one of the states. Mm-hmm. Uh, I highly recommend people downloading uh, the PDF, taking a look at the sound money index, seeing where your state is. But I wanted to start, first of all, what are some of the things that you use to rank the different states? Obviously, it's mm-hmm. not just your opinion, right? Uh, you're using some objective measures that you guys can come up with. Uh, and can you go through what those measures are so people know what you guys are looking out at and saying, hey, this state is a sound money state or is mm-hmm. not as friendly with their sound money policies? Yeah, absolutely. So this year in the 2023 Sound Money Index, uh, there are 13 criterion that we use to determine which state has the most pro and most anti sound money policy or sound money environment in the country. Um, in 2024, the the addition that uh, will be released uh, towards the end of this year, there will actually be a 14th category um, that that we've introduced that we've added to to the scoring guide. Um, but in the 2023 guide. Uh, it a, a large part, a large part portion of what we're grading these states on is going to be based on their taxes. Um, so whether or not the state charges a sales tax on purchases of gold, silver, platinum, palladium, um, coins, bars, and rounds, uh, what the state's sales tax rate is relative to the national average. Uh, whether the state charges an income tax, a state income tax on uh, the sale, if if the seller enjoys a gain. Uh, does the ch- state charge an income tax? And relative to the national average, what rate are they charging that at? Uh, so th- 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 those take up a, a large portion of the of of the allotted points, um, and that's because we believe that the taxes are are the biggest impediment to uh, gold and silver's use as money. Um, but additionally, there are also categories on the. Uh, whether or not the state has reaffirmed gold and silver as a legal tender or as money, uh, whether or not the state invests any of its pension funds or reserve funds in gold and silver, uh, whether the state has invested in any gold bonds, uh, whether the state has uh, established an in-state depository. Um, most recently, we've added the precious metals dealer harassment category. Um, this is a, a category that examines a state's policies on uh, on dealers. You know, many times people go to sell their precious metals. Uh, they go to a local dealer or a pawn shop, uh, and in many states, there are rare, very onerous regulations that are placed on these dealers. So, for example, if you were to come into my pawn shop, um, I believe in Arizona, um, I'll use that as an example. Um, if you were to come into my my bullion shop and want to sell me a silver eagle. Uh, I would buy it from you, um, and I would have to take down your name, uh, you know, any information, your phone number, your email address. I would have to take down uh, physical descriptors, your height, your weight, any notable tattoos, any you know, f- facial features, anything like this. Uh, then I would have to take all of that information and then upload it to a police database, where I'm by by law, by statute, dealers are required to upload this information to a police database. And then it's used for God knows what. Um, so on top of you know there being a very serious security risk and and uh, you know constantly having to give information to police departments by statute, um, it's also a regulatory burden. You know businesses these are these are businesses that are generally very small. They don't have a giant staff to be fielding what essentially amounts to regulatory requests. Um, and so so it's very onerous on on precious metals dealers. 
um, ultimately that harms precious metals investors as well. Um, so those are those are some of the the categories um, that were that we've had in 2023 and 2024. We're going to introduce a category that will examine uh, a state's policies on uh, commercial activity tax. Um, so in the case of Oregon, Ohio, and a couple of other states, precious metals dealers are charged a, a cat tax. Uh, cat tax is what they're called. Um, and in and this is a, a tax that the state levies on a business for the privilege of doing business in their state. Um, so uh, in the, the issue is that in many cases, many businesses operate uh, with a, a larger margin than precious metals dealers do. Um, the, if you know anything about the precious metals business, um, it's a very, very low margin business. Um, there's a lot of hedging involved. Uh, hedging involved. There are a lot of costs involved. Um, so this is a very low margin business. And so to apply a cat tax on precious metals dealers, uh, it, it's a discriminatorily high tax. It's a, a tax that that industry is not built for. And the cat tax statewide is sort of a one size fits all approach that, that doesn't really work um, for precious metals dealers. So that's another, um, the reason we're adding that is because we've had some movement. There's a state that is um, in the process, I suppose, of, of passing legislation um, on this issue. So we're adding that um, to next year's index as well. So Keith, I want to send it your way for a second. I know you talk a lot about bid ask spreads and what those spreads signify. And I want to talk about what JP mentioned, which is these thin margins, especially for uh, precious metals companies. And every time you add a tax or a regulation or a restriction or some type of friction, what does that do to spreads? And what do those spreads mean for people like me and you? So the thing that makes gold money if you go back to Menger and his definition is it's the most marketable you know, commodity, which means it has the tightest bid-ask spread. If you were to buy a particular commodity and then immediately sell it without the market even moving, you lose the spread. So if you're buying gold at 1978 and selling it at 1974, you'd have lost $4 or something like that. Um, when, uh, when there's a tax, uh, you know, applied to the dealer, the dealer is just going to have to, I mean, they can't survive without passing that through somehow. They're going to have to widen the spread. And so um, they're taking away some of gold's monetary utility uh, in doing that and discouraging people. I'm not sure that's necessarily the intention, but the net effect is they're going to discourage people from buying gold because, you know, the old saying in investors, if I can't get out, I don't want to get in. Um, so it's, it's discriminatory, it's adding unnecessary friction. That's what I call a useless ingredient, right? The person who's buying that gold coin has no idea what onerous regulations that the bullion dealer is up against, whether it be labor law, whether it be random miscellaneous fire inspections, whether it be, you know, green stuff, you know, coming to check their insulation and saying you have to redo your building, whatever it is, or a cap tax. Um, Consumer has no idea. They're just going to say, man, that's a ripoff. And uh, yeah, it is a ripoff. It's just not that the, deal the dealer isn't the bad guy. The bad guy is in the state capitol concocting all this stuff. Um, so uh, yeah, I, I agree with, you know, with everything uh, JP said a thousand percent. So JP, when it comes to removing these regulations, these frictions, these restrictions, you noted that, quote, 42 states fully or at least partially exempt the purchase of gold and silver coins and bullion from sales tax. So that's great. 
And then you said of those states, five do not maintain a sales tax on any items whatsoever. That is Alaska, Delaware, Montana, New Hampshire, and Oregon. So let's take those 42 states. Most people would say that's a huge win, 42 out of 50 states. I'm not that good at math, but that's that's almost a passing grade there. Um, and so <laughs> who are those eight state holdouts? What is it about their states that they say, no, 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 those taxes are here to stay? And do you see that there's any marginal movement on some of those eight states? So I'm actually glad to say that um, the number has grown since, since the publication of the 2023 Sound Money Index. Um, most recently, Mississippi um, became the 43rd state in the country to end the sales tax on the purchase of sound money. Yeah, yeah. Go Mississippi as a multi-year project. Um, the, the Sound Money Defense League in coordination with Money Metals Exchange and local advocates in state, um, you know, we've been in contact with the legislature for, um, you know, five years now, probably uh, working to get hearings and working to get this passed. Um, and, and finally, it happened. Um, so thankfully, 43. Um, sorry. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Um, it's good. It's good to get these done. Um, so so Mississippi is is the 43rd. But fortunately, of the seven now that remain, uh, five of them have introduced legislation to end this tax. Uh, two of those are still alive in the, the year, this 2023 legislative year. Uh, that is Wisconsin um, and New Jersey. Uh, New Jersey, a, a heavily Democrat-controlled state, um, just passed a sales tax exemption out of their assembly uh, unanimously, 74 to nothing. Um, that bill yeah. passed and is now on to the Senate. Um, where that will hopefully be considered here in the next few weeks when they come back from summer session, or rather from summer break. Um, and then in Wisconsin as well, we're hoping to have some hearings in the fall um, on this, on um, on ending this exemption, or rather on ending this tax. Um, so of of these, these seven states that remain, uh, they are um, Maine, New Mexico. Uh, oh man, I should have had this pulled up. Do you have the index? I do. You? I do. Let's see uh, Maine, New Mexico, Hawaii, Wisconsin, Kentucky, uh, New Jersey, and Vermont. Um, so of, of those states that remain, uh, Hawaii has introduced legislation, Wisconsin, Kentucky, Maine, New Jersey, and Vermont have all introduced legislation to end this tax. Um, so we're hopeful. Um, and it's also interesting to note that uh, these 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 issues these these fights that are going on uh, are not divided necessarily on on political lines. Um, so, like I mentioned in New Jersey's case, um, that is a, a heavily Democrat-controlled um, legislature that just passed uh, unanimously. Uh, in Hawaii's case, also a very blue state politically um, that has passed uh, out of a full chamber and out of several committees. Um, on the other hand, Kentucky is sort of known as a, a pro prominently red state, um, and that's a state that we've had trouble. This year, we we fortunately got it through one chamber, um, but that is a red state. And Mississippi as well, Before prior to this year, a very red state um, that it took us several years to get this done in. Um, so it, it doesn't necessarily fall along party lines. There, there, this isn't really a partisan issue, um, you know, in the face of, of record high inflation and, and bank runs and failures. Uh, this, this isn't an issue that's, that's political necessarily. A lot of people are, are naturally waking up to the importance um, and the understanding 
that something is going on uh, with what is with America's funny money. I was going to say it only takes a little bit of inflation, and I, I say that facetiously a little bit, um, to get people to start thinking about gold. Um, I just uh, visited Istanbul, Turkey, uh, recently, and um, I don't. This is not an official statistic, but somebody there told me that every every last person in that country would have, if they had any money at all, would have at least ten grams of gold, and the average person would have more. And of course, their lira is totally in free fall. Mm -hmm. It makes it makes the U.S. dollar look like hard money by comparison. Um, <laughs> and everybody, is you go to the Grand Bazaar in Istanbul, and more and more of the stalls are gold dealers of various kinds. There's fewer and fewer spice merchants, fewer and fewer places selling Turkish delight, carpets, textiles, and more gold dealers. So they are absolutely in the gold craze because the only way to hold on to anything with that currency, you can't hold that currency. You got to buy gold. Mm -hmm. And uh, boy, do they do that. I was actually, I've, uh, I spent a little time in Asia over the last couple of weeks and I was jarred. I noticed that same thing that seemingly on the streets of, of Japan and on the streets of Thailand, you have more storefronts. You have bullion dealers that are surviving as brick and mortar, you know, storefronts seemingly all over, uh, certainly more in the, in the U.S. than, you know, if you're walking through a city, you're going to see way fewer bullion dealers, gold dealers um, than I did in Asia. I was surprised by that. I think, I think and I, I keep saying this, but I, I think Americans are the culture that understand gold the least. Hmm. Uh, and you go to a place like, you know, Southeast Asia, you go to um, the Middle East, and everybody gets gold. I mean, it's just like, yeah, of course, you know, it's obvious to them. Mm -hmm. You can talk to the average American, hey, gold's a barbarous relic, whatever, who cares? That was stupid. Gold standard failed, you know, mm -hmm. tax it, whatever. Um, you know, I was going to make a comment about uh, it's not, not partisan. Um, I was heavily involved in um, trying to get the bill in Arizona passed. Mm -hmm. And it was vetoed three times by two different Republican governors, even though it passed on strict party lines in Arizona. So all the Republicans voting aye, all the Democrats voting nay, it's obviously heavily Republican state, so that would pass. And then um, twice, uh, Doug Ducey vetoed it, and once Jan Brewer vetoed it. And, um, I, you know, I saw some really funny things. The chair of the one, I don't remember if this was the House or the Senate, committee that was, you know, hearing it um, was a Republican, of course, and um, without naming any names, because that's not the point. Uh, she was president for the whole discussion. And then as soon as the secretary went to call roll, you know, prior to the vote, she literally grabbed her laptop, grabbed her little binder, and, you know, with like almost like papers, you know, flying and falling out of her binder, ran out the back door. So she was not president for roll call. Mm -hmm. And um, obviously she didn't want to be seen as voting against it. So I guess there's mm -hmm. that, but she couldn't vote for it. She must've been beholden to some interest group mm -hmm. that would have, uh, you know, I don't know what, stopped donating to her campaign or something if she voted for it. So she had to run out of the room and not be seen to be, uh, you know, voting at all. Very sort of bizarre, mm -hmm. you know, politics of all this. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah. The the incentive structure is strange and, uh, yeah, it actually it, um, this year we had a particularly galling example of of uh, political maneuvering um, in a way that's uncommon. We, you know, for the most part, don't really see things like what happened in in Augusta, Maine. Um, but this year in Maine, Senator Brakey, who is a, 
limited government, uh, small government guy. He's very, very good on these issues. Um, introduced several sound money bills. One of them was the bill to introduce or rather to eliminate the state sales tax on mm -hmm. sound money. Um, and I went up there personally. Um, so in, in Maine, there is a joint committee. Um, there's so just a singular joint committee. So the joint committee on taxation had members of uh, Republican or rather representatives and senators on it. Um, I flew up to Augusta to testify before the committee. Um, if I remember right, Keith, I believe you were at least involved in discussions to maybe participate as well. Um, yeah, I, I testified by video on that one. Yeah, yeah. And so we we got the bill out of the, it's a Democrat controlled committee. Uh, the Both the committee chair people uh, voted. These are both Democrats, but both of them voted yes on our bill. So the bill comes out of the committee. We get to the Senate because Senator Brakey is a senator. So it went to the Senate first. We pass out of the Senate. 17 to 15. So yeah, this is huge I, in Maine. After I, I, years, years of trying, we've never even so much as made it out of committee. In this case now, we've made it out of committee. We've passed out of the House or out of the Senate. We're on to the House. In the House, there are three votes. Uh, in the first vote, we we won. We we got the votes needed to, to, to we had a favorable vote. Uh, the second vote happened and we won again. We got the votes again. That vote was on a right. Thursday, I believe. Uh, the bill that that evening after the vote uh, was a, a a Democrat representative put a hold a, that's a procedural status on the bill and held it over the weekend and then voted again and then asked for a vote again to be cast uh, the following legislative day, which I believe was Monday or Tuesday. They voted again, and it turns out Democratic leadership had spent the weekend twisting arms of the Democrats that had voted in favor of the bill and got them to flip. We ended up losing the vote 72 to 71. Two, two Democrat voters that originally voted yes a couple of days prior flipped after a weekend of who knows what happened. The, the vote stayed open for like 10 minutes when they, when they told legislators to cast a vote, they opened the vote. And then it was just, I was watching online, but normally these votes, you know, the box opens, everyone casts their vote, Within 10 seconds, the vote is closed. This was 10 minutes of just silence, the vote being opened. Who knows what was happening in that room? Who knows you know, who was being offered or, or traded or told what? Um, but it's, it, was, it was galling. I've, I'd never seen, you know, generally these issues, these, these sound money bills aren't necessarily uh, you know, super attention grabbing. There isn't a strong constituency on the other side. But in this case, our sponsor was told, Senator Brakey was told, this is not about your bill. This is about power. This is bigger than you. The Democratic leadership wanted to let people know that they had control of their chamber. And so they weren't going to give Republicans anything that even resembled a win. So from the get-go, I think this went a lot further than Democratic leadership and even than, than we were expecting it to. You know, I, I saw um, both in Arizona and a couple of other states where I went in person to testify on behalf of something that um, you know, you had a small but fairly vocal group in favor of whatever the gold bill was. Uh, you know, you have a sound money contingency, and then there's a certain branch of the conservatives that are really into it. Um, and there was no real, you know, five years in Arizona. Every year I showed up, and then once in Texas. And I'm trying to think. I think I was there in Wyoming and another state. Hmm. Nobody on the there was no opposition. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, if there was anybody testifying against it all, it was like a fiscal note, you know, depending on the bill. And it was like, this requires the state treasurer to accept gold in payment of taxes. And they're like, we don't even know how to do that. We'd have to get equipment. We'd have to get a vault put in. We'd have to get security measures and hire a rings or somebody to take it. You know, like it's going to cost some money. Like that, you know, it wasn't even like hard opposition. It was just, there's going to be a cost here. And if you mm -hmm. want us to do this, you have to count, you have to count that into the, the thing. Yeah, and, it was almost logistical, yeah. like a logistical yeah. opposition, not not yeah. anything else. It's like, okay, if you want us to do this, give us the budget, you know, mm -hmm. and you have, to, you have to accurately count that in a fiscal note. But, um, you, you know, the politicians who voted against it were very ideological. I mean, I had this one crusading guy in Arizona who just was like, if you like the euro, then you're going to love gold. <laughs> you know, and I'm just like, well, as an economist, I could say, Gold is nothing like the euro. It's like, you know, arsenic and cheese. I mean, it, you know, but he was trying to say that, well, it's out of your control and, and you know, you can't increase the quantity or something. Then he, then he tries to he tries to pin me on, well, what happens if somebody, like, where's the gold stored? And I said, well, it's in a depository. What happens if somebody in the depository goes bad and, you know, wants to steal it? And I said, you know, this is a problem that's been around for hundreds of years and it's been solved. I mean, you know, if you look at Brinks, you look at Loomis, you look at the Delaware Depository, whom we deal with, you know, they, they haven't had a loss in living memory. You look at every every commercial bank in the country has a vault where there's, you know, a pallet of paper cash somewhere, right? Because um, they deal in it all day long. Mm -hmm. And they figured out it's, you know, it's a combination of time set locks and video cameras and obviously background checks, getting employees bonded and mm -hmm. insured and all, you know, it's, it's, it's a whole bunch of different things. And they think they solved this problem. Like this is not, you know, an impediment to a gold standard. It's not even an impediment mm -hmm. to running a commercial vault where you're discharging people's storage fees. And, you know, he was just like, it, it struck me as not particularly smart, but like a fox, like cunning, just like looking for that angle, looking for that twist. Yeah. I gotcha, I gotcha. And um, of course, he was he was picking the wrong guy to to try to, you know, joust with on on pick that fight with, yeah. Because you know he was just thinking about it for the first time because the bill came up on his docket. Whereas obviously, you know, I've been thinking about it and writing about it a long time. And but he was just against it. Of course, he voted. There's nothing I said that persuaded him. He voted nay. And even though there was not a single of his constituents who showed up who cared, it was just like, no, I'm not going to allow this. Mm -hmm. I, and I, I've actually had a couple of I, a couple of stories come to mind with legislators um, that are just too smart by half, or just like are very, very confident. And I guess the, the 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 politics and the the act of getting elected sort of is an intoxicant that probably maybe makes you think very highly of yourself or whatever the case may mm -hmm. be. So there are several of these that I can think of over the years, legislators. You know, for example, that's similar to that, it sounds like that were, you know, arguments similar to, you know, if if uh, so many things, anything can be used as money, you know, salt, seashells were used as money. Should we stop taxing salt? Should tax should salt be tax free at the grocery store since we used salt as money, you know, back in the day and like things, things just inane, asinine things like that. Or in Idaho, there was a, a legislator who during a hearing on, on a bill that we were working on, this might've been back in 2018, um, you know, stood up and had, hadn't hadn't contributed to the debate to this point uh, is my understanding, um, but stood up and very matter-of-factly said, you know, I don't really have an opinion on this bill. I'm just saying that 
a uh, hundred years ago, the price of gold was, I don't know, uh, $1,200. And today the price sure. of gold is $1,800. So you can't really call it a good stable value of a store of money when the price fluctuates like this. I don't have an opinion on the bill. I'm just saying. And then sat back down so sure of himself, not realizing what he had just said. Um, there, there's something about politics that makes you overestimate overestimate your powers. Yeah. $1,200 a hundred years ago. That's good. <laughs> like, what do you mean? The, the price of gold is fluctuating. Like, no, you're, you're not getting it. Would the senator from Dunning-Kruger please sit down? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> So JP, I want to run through a couple more of these items that you have here. And this was a great quote. You said, imagine if you went to a grocery store clerk and you had a $5 bill and you said, hey, can you break this up for me? Uh, I, I just need singles. Mm -hmm. And he said, sure. But the government charged you a 35% sales tax. Clearly, that would be silly, right? Mm -hmm. You're just exchanging one form of currency for another form of currency. Mm -hmm. But Try walking into a precious metals dealer in over a dozen states and exchanging a $20 Federal Reserve note, or maybe $24 at the moment, for an ounce of silver. If you make that kind of exchange, you'll get hammered with a sales tax. That's the price of, that you pay for picking up a piece of true money that was mentioned in the U.S. Constitution. So let's break that down a little bit. I have my 20 bucks. I go, uh, you know, I don't really trust the United States Fed. I don't want to be a creditor to this whole kind of funny money business. I'm going to swap that out for what I consider to be money, which is precious metals, gold, and silver. Why do you get hammered on that? But you don't get hammered when you exchange a five for five singles. Yeah, you know, it's a great question. And, and that's kind of the, the crux of what we present when we speak to these legislators. Um, it, to start, I think a sales tax on, on precious metals is inappropriate, right? That sales and use tax in states that, that have this tax uh, levy this tax on final consumable goods. When you buy a hamburger, when you buy a t-shirt, you are the final consumer of this good. You are using it. And so you are charged this tax. Gold and silver, with the gold and silver, that's not the case at all. It's You're holding it like a, like a stock or a bond. It's an asset held for resale. And no other states, to my knowledge, charge a sales tax on the purchase of assets. So when you go into your Fidelity account, you might have a, a brokerage fee or a trading fee of some sort, but it's not a state sales tax because it's held for resale because the state gets their cut at the end when you sell the asset. And then they say, you, you had a gain, now you owe me some of that. And that's where the state gets it, it, its cut. But in the, in the case of precious metals, there are states that are, are choosing to, to tax the metals um, just on purchase of the metals. Um, additionally, there's so there's um, there are also studies that have shown that when you tax precious metals, uh, you're better off not taxing precious metals because of all of the industry that leaves the state. Uh, conventions won't come into your state. Dealers have a hard time setting up in states with these precious metals, uh, and and reality is this is a very innocuous by state budget standards what we're talking about here in the case of Tennessee we just passed legislation to end this tax the the fiscal note there was about three hundred thousand um, dollars as as a that's an accounting error um, a rounding error in the case of many state budgets um so the idea that this is a a meaningful tax as as a question of what it provides to the tax base um, just simply isn't the case um, and and yeah, so we're taxing constitutional money, um, and and that shouldn't be the case. That's beyond the pale. Um, 
and yeah, so I think uh, for those reasons, uh, it, it's inappropriate to tax this the, to tax the assets purchase of the assets. Um, and again, that's that's what makes them unusable as money. Part the half of the equation of a big part of what makes these metals uh, what what makes sound money unusable as money. Um, and that's why we we focus on 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 the tax part of it largely. And JP, I noticed that you mentioned uh, you're unable to deduct the capital losses that you incur while holding mm. uh, a depreciating currency, let's say the dollar, right. a peso in, in other countries. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet you're forced to pay income taxes on those nominal gains when you hold a currency like gold or silver. Um, but that's like we mentioned, not the fact that gold and silver are going up. It could be the fact that, that your uh, currency is actually mm-hmm. going down. Uh, Keith, w- what do you think about all that? Yeah, I mean, I, I argue that gold isn't going anywhere. There's people standing on the deck of a ship, which is both slowly sinking and tossing in big waves in a storm, saying, why is the lighthouse going up and down and mostly up? Well, you've got the wrong vantage point. It's, gold isn't going anywhere. It's, it's the lighthouse. It's the ship that's, you know, that's slowly sinking. And, and by design, right? I mean, the, the proponents of the dollar, the fiat dollar system, for, starting with Milton Friedman himself, wanted uh, inflation. That's a feature, not a buck. Mm. And, um, you know, I was, I was gonna say, I have a question for JP, which is, it sounds like the sales tax battle is almost all over, but the shouting. Mm. The next battle is the, the capital gains tax. So how many states right now don't have any form of capital gains tax when you sell the gold at a higher price? So I know Arizona does not, I was very involved mm. in that. I know Utah does not. And I uh, was less involved there, but I know the folks that drafted that legislation and, uh, you know, enacted it. How many states don't? And then obviously there are states that don't have an income tax at all, like Texas and Delaware. Um, So I guess in two categories, how many have a state income tax, but exempt gold capital gains? And then how many others don't have any income tax and therefore effectively nothing on gold? Um, So I believe that it is three states that have actively passed legislation to end the income tax on gold and silver. Um, 11 states in total don't charge income tax on gold and silver. Uh, Like you mentioned, you've been a part, um, a a prominent part of uh, Arizona, which is a big one. Uh, Fortunately, in 2023, again, uh, glad to report good news on this. Um, Arkansas, who in 2021 passed a sales tax exemption, um, this year, Arkansas Governor uh, Governor Hitchinson passed, or rather, signed uh, a bill into law that reaffirms gold and silver as a legal tender. Uh, it also removes all tax liability uh, on the metals, which includes including capital gains tax. Um, so, uh, Arkansas has been the most recent state to pass uh, this effort. Uh, that was also overwhelmingly passed. This passed, I believe, eighty-two to eight in the house um, and unanimously 32 to nothing in the Senate. Um, And it also, um, interestingly, it included, uh, it included language on specific performance. Um, Pardon me. It included language on specific performance, which is the idea that if a contract uh, is written and calls for gold or silver as payment, uh, the, the dollar is not a reasonable substitute for that. And the court then would be obligated to uh, to demand that the contract be paid in what it was denominated in. So you this can't. Is this is in Arkansas. Yes, yes, Arkansas has just passed legislation to do this. Wow. Um, 
Yeah, this, so gold, gold contracts, gold clause contracts, as you know, uh, were very common back in the day, gold clause and silver clause contracts um, as a, a very simple way to make long-term contracts. Um, and, you know, today more than ever with the value of the dollar being as volatile as it is, uh, it's hard to make 30-year plans, for example, or long-term plans. And so you, some people opt to use gold and silver as the the, the domin denominated unit Um and so, uh, yeah, Arkansas recently passed or in, in this bill that uh, was recently uh, signed into law. It, it also included language on, on um, specific performance and on, on ensuring that a contract that calls for gold and silver is indeed paid in gold and silver. Um, yeah. and, that's, and that's not just, um, and so that's the, the capital gains stuff. And it's not just Arkansas, I'm glad to say. So we also... Um, we've introduced legislation on this and have passed out of several uh, uh, committees and chambers in some cases in Iowa, Kansas, uh, Maine, Mississippi, Missouri, South Carolina, and um, West Virginia. So the you issue originally was, yeah, the, the, the issue originally was the sales tax issue, but as states continue to remove this tax, states are not stopping there. They're, they're turning to their focus to, okay, what's next? What can we do next? Um, and, and we're seeing that across the country. So when I, when I wrote the business plan for the Gold Standard Institute, um, and, and we never kind of developed the resources that, that you have and, and never had the ability to, to hit 50 states and do the kinds of things that you're doing. Um, so my hat's off to you for, for that. But um, you know, way back in 2011, I think when I wrote this, I kind of thought that the way the media and the culture works is you know, if you get one state to do something, everyone can dismiss it as, oh, that's a bunch of crazy people, a bunch of cowboys in Arizona. Um, you get two states to do it, oh, well, that's a bunch of crazy people in Arizona and a bunch of, uh, you know, Mormons in, in Utah. You get three states to do it, and it's like one, two, three, many. Suddenly it becomes a story you can't really ignore anymore. And I thought if you get three or beyond three, it begins to sweep through the states, and then my sincere hope, and I'd love your comment on this, is that um, you get enough states that are obviously ending the sales tax. So I said, it sounds like that battle is all but all but over, just mopping up. Um, and then you get enough states to start ending, and of course there's no federal sales tax, so that's good. Uh, you get enough states to end the uh, income tax on the, on the so-called capital gain, which is, you know, you bought gold in 1970, you're selling it now, you don't have a gain of, you know, 1975 minus 35 is, you know, $1,940. You simply avoided the loss uh, in the dollar all during that time. Um, but if enough states are sweeping through with this repeal of the capital gains tax, then at some point it's appropriate and it would, it would be a winner to put it in, uh, you know, the U.S. Congress. Hmm. And I guess it's, we're counting our chickens before the hatch right now, but I'm, I'm curious as to your vision for that, what you think is realistic. Uh, so in the case of federal legislation, that already exists. Um, you know, we know that Ron Paul was a, a champion in Congress on sound money, um, but since he retired, Congressman Mooney um, from West Virginia has kind of taken that, um, taken that, uh, and taken that cause and run with it. Um, so he has introduced, there are a couple of bills that are live on the federal level right now. Um, one of them would be to end capital gains on precious metals on the federal level. Um, and that would be, you know, being able to do it in one foul swoop would obviously be quick and efficient. Um, but th the reality is that the reason most states 
charge a capital gain when when you sell your precious metals is because most states start with your federal AGI, your federal adjusted gross income, and yes. they just start from there. And if it's in the federal calculation, then it's going to be in the state calculation. So hopefully, I mean, if if the, the feds were, were to do away with this tax, hopefully the states would follow as well. But even without the federal effort, you know, necessarily making great headway to this point, um, you know, states states themselves are very much starting to do this. And I think, you know, it's a, it's very much a slowly at first and then fast all at once where, you know, it, like you mentioned, it, it just takes the one state and then it's the second state. And I think the reality, I, what I've learned about being sort of in, in these political spaces is that uh, politicians many times don't necessarily want to lead. Um, politicians don't want to be the first in X. They don't want their state to be first in X um, because that requires risk. That requires, you know, trying something new. Um, and and that doesn't necessarily win elections all the time. Um, and so it's, it is it is much easier to make the case. The case becomes stronger when I can come to a state like, for example, Kentucky and say, hello, Kentucky, you are surrounded. You have seven border states or I guess, yeah, Kentucky or, or Tennessee. There are seven border states here, all of which have already enacted this policy, ending this outmoded and regressive tax on the purchase of precious metals. You're losing out to all of these states that are neighboring. People are leaving the states. Businesses are leaving the states. Conventions aren't coming to the state. And so when, when they hear it like that and they hear, oh, so we're completely surrounded by states that have done this, or they hear now, oh, there are 43 other states. Wow, we're really sticking out like a sore thumb here. What are we doing? Um, I think that resonates a lot with politicians, maybe more, unfortunately, maybe more than maybe some constitutional arguments would um, or, or moral arguments on, you know, the, the, the practice of taxing life jackets and lifeboats in the case of an emergency, which is essentially what states are doing when they're when they're taxing the purchase of precious metals in the face of the the economic precariousness that we're, we're in the midst of here in America and worldwide. You know, I have to uh, to say, in in my years of testifying in Arizona, there were a number of people who stood up to make either the constitutional argument or the moral argument, and um, I, you know, unfortunately, I have to say, I saw politicians from both sides, um, you know, both pro the the bill and, and anti the bill, giving that essentially zero traction. They it, it was as if it wasn't said; it was just some noise on the wind. Mm -hmm. um, the economic argument they paid attention to, so, some of them. I mean, there were the crusading, you know, leftist ideologues that just hated it. But um, you know, if you could talk about, and and I, so I did a little bit of research into the capital gains tax, and used some numbers from Texas, and then imputed at Arizona's rates and say, I think you're looking at a low six-figure amount per year that the state would be missing out on if you repeal the capital gains tax. This is not a big number. You're not getting a lot of revenue on this. Mm -hmm. Obviously, at the physical bullion level, you know, retail people tend to uh, structure their transactions so as to be below reporting threshold, and they're not declaring, even though legally they should. Sure. Most of them probably aren't. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, gold futures are taxed differently. Things like, you know, gold ETNs are taxed differently. Um, you're not really getting a lot anyway. And, um, you know, right, and, and your point about the sales tax that 
the dealers can't do business in your state if all the states just across the border, you know, can have a dealer and then, you know, tax-free versus, you know, it's going to be whatever, 7% cheaper there versus mm -hmm. here. You know, look at how much business you're turning away. I mean, that's potentially hundreds of millions of dollars in revenues. Mm -hmm. And, and you know, for a couple hundred thousand in tax that you think you, you know, you're going to get what you're not even getting, mm -hmm. you're just repulsing the business altogether. They get that argument. If you say the Constitution says, you know, it's like the TV set to static. They don't, <laughs> you know, they don't even hear it, you know? Mm -hmm. And then if you said there was one guy who stood up and, and he kind of had this waggling finger and he's like, you people have, are, are uh, del uh, um, what's the word, uh, derelict in your duty, your officers, you know, sworn to uphold the constitution and blah, 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 blah. And it was like, you know, I, iPhones came out, people were checking their email, you know, laptops were opened, you know, the, the, the legislators were talking to each other during this. It was like complete, just like, you know, you could see what they're thinking, which is okay. This guy has his constitutional right to five minutes of uh, of the floor floor time in the mm -hmm. chamber. It doesn't mean that we have to heed him. Yep. And um, you know, total just disrespect to the point of of you know ignoring ignoring what the guy said to the point of disrespect. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. what I saw, and and that's unfortunate because that should be the most compelling argument of all. Is that's morally wrong. This this business. I mean, you know, the the implication of Ben's question earlier about how do you tax giving change of a $5 bill. It's morally outrageous. Yeah. It is outright robbery. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, most people can't say that. And, and if you do say it, most people can't hear it. And that's the, which is why we're in the mess that we're in. Mm -hmm. uh, I, yeah, and I, sorry, I was gonna say it. So I think, um, you know, I've over the, the, I think eight years now that, that we've been doing this, I've sat through, you know, many of these hearings and it is, it is sad. And it, it, I'm not necessarily talking about sound money legislation anymore, just kind of a, a more, a more macro view on, on the political or the legislative process as it exists in all of these states. You know, in many cases you have, uh, I was in a state recently coming up uh, to coming up to the Cine die. So the last day of their session and we're the, these, these agendas before some of these committees, they're hearing, 100 150 200 bills in you know a day and you know what is what do you think they're spending they're not spending an hour on each bill carefully examining the nuances and considering the pros and cons of each bill right and that's sort of the nature of of the system that that sort of like i said earlier incentivizes strange things it's not necessarily a system built for the betterment of of society or for you know doing well by your by your by your man um, fellow man and woman, it's um, the, the system itself, there's a lot um, to be desired. Um, it's not necessarily a system that's built, um, you know, to to help people, I feel like many times. Um, and so like you were saying, you know, so many of these bills, and I guess like, I you can't expect a politician to be an expert in everything. They can't possibly know everything. Um, and so some of these bills, yeah, I can understand how after several hours of hearing testimony like this you know their eyes might glaze over um i think just just top to bottom the system it's it's not even necessarily the fault of of the politician sitting in that chair it's just kind of structurally this doesn't this doesn't necessarily work or it doesn't seem as efficient as it could be you know it's, it's funny about they don't read the stuff i remember when nancy pelosi said you have to pass it to find out what's in it mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um what struck me as outrageous you know being the ceo of a company 
I'm obliged by law to sign certain things on behalf of the company, like our tax returns. And, um, you know, if there's something in the tax return that I don't know about, and the bigger the company gets, of course, the more that the CEO doesn't know all the details. I mean, you've got a team of people doing that. Um, but I have to sign that under penalty of perjury. Politicians, it's like the exact opposite standard. Mm. They can vote for a 3,000 page bill and, um, you know, without knowing anything about it. And it seems to me that um, now this would make it even more conservative and even harder to make a reform such as, you know, sound money. But it seems to me that they should have to sign something that says, mm. uh, you know, I've read this bill and I understand all the provisions in it um, as, as, a, as, a, as a necessary precondition to be qualified to even vote on it. To vote on it, yeah. If I don't know what all the issues are, I've I've consulted uh, you know experts in my judgment that I you know deem sufficient to, to help me understand it, and then boy we'd have a lot less bills and it'd be a lot shorter mm-hmm. if uh, if that were the case. Mm-hmm. But um, anyways, uh, yeah, you're right. The, the political system is so um, structurally uh, wrong in so many different mm-hmm. so many different areas. JP, I want to give you a chance to shout out the maybe top 10 states that are doing actually well on their sound money policies. No one's at 100, obviously. Um, everyone's got some work to do. But maybe for a second, we'll talk about the states that are doing well, maybe the top 10. And then maybe we'll do the bottom 10, the 10 states that are not looking so hot so people know. And then I want to go right at number 26, which is North Carolina, uh, and talk about what they're doing there. And then maybe some states that people can get involved in, how they can help. But let's start with the tar- uh, the top 10, and I'll give them to you. So first is Wyoming, second, South Dakota, third, Alaska, fourth, New Hampshire, fifth, Texas, sixth, Utah, seventh, Arizona, eighth is Nevada, number nine, Tennessee, and number 10 is Florida. So those are the top 10 states for sound money. JP, I'll give you a minute. What do you think is about those states, those legislators, and how have they done so well in the sound money index? Yeah, so I think these are these. So, like I mentioned before, these are all states that have scored well in the index, where the index is primarily weighted towards placing importance on the taxes. So, states like it makes sense to me. States like Wyoming, South Dakota, Texas. Um, these are you know states in the West that generally have a a freedom streak, um, or at least a, the 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 um, the appearance of a sort of liberty minded legislators there. Um, so, and in some cases, these are states that um, have, are just, their system is built to um, uh, to favor sound money or taxes against sound money. So in New Hampshire's case, for example, they don't have a state sales tax at all. Um, so New Hampshire would get full points for not having a sales tax exemption, or rather not having a sales tax on the metals. Uh, Alaska as well is, is um, in, in the time I've spent there and spoken to legislators, they're a very liberty-minded state. Um, we're working on legislation there right now um, with Representative Kevin McCabe to uh, reaffirm gold and silver as money again. Um, but also, this is a state that would eliminate taxes, sales taxes on the local level. So Alaska does not have a state sales tax, but localities, boroughs, cities can still charge their own sales tax. Um, and so we're working on legislation now to end end that tax on a local level. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, Texas, Arizona, um, Texas, you know, famously uh, many years ago established an in-state depository, the first one um, in the country that was uh, privately owned, uh, publicly managed, or rather um, privately, yeah, privately owned, 
yeah, government, uh, government monitored, government um, sanctioned, um, but privately run. Um, and uh, they also at one point had about a billion dollars worth of gold in their um, in their pension fund. Um, that that I believe investment they have since divested from that gold. Yes. Um, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, so in uh, and then Tennessee recently has shot up the ranks. Um, they passed their sales tax exemption in last year. We passed that in Tennessee after several years of trying um, to get that uh, to get that across the finish line. Um, naturally, through they they revamped their tax base and they eliminated. They've been phasing out their capital gains tax for the last several years. And last year, I believe, either last year or two years ago, it was completely eliminated. So there's no capital gains tax on the metals in Tennessee. Um, and then this year, they passed legislation. Um, the, the, same, the same cast of legislators that, was, that were behind the effort to pass or to exempt sales tax a couple of years ago um, introduced legislation to uh, authorize the state treasurer to invest in physical gold and silver if he or she so chooses. Um, and that legislation was passed uh, and approved by the governor this year. Um, additionally, they've also introduced uh, legislation that did not pass, but legislation to uh, accept um, accept a remit payment of taxes um, to or uh, from to have the state the state allow the payment of taxes in physical gold and silver um, was a, an effort that they've introduced and then we're working to get passed um, as well in Tennessee. Um, and so I think that uh, as, as far as the top 10, those are the ones that are showing the most promise. I actually got an email um, uh, just a few hours ago from a legislator in New Hampshire um, that's interested in um, introducing some sound money legislation. So uh, New Hampshire, another, you know, uh, the free state and, um, you know, a very liberty-minded state, not a state that we've worked into this point. Um, so hopefully we'll get some legislation in New Hampshire uh, this upcoming year as well. JP, I'm going to read you the bottom 10. We don't need to go mm. through every single one, but maybe if you're living in one of these bottom 10 states, you can reach out to Sound Money Defense League. I'll have JP tell you where to find them. So here's the bottom 10. We've got number one at the bottom will be Vermont, number 50, number 49, New Jersey, number 48, Maine, 47, Minnesota, 46, California, 45, Kentucky, 44, Wisconsin, 43, Mississippi, 42, Hawaii, 41, New Mexico, and rounding out the top 10 worst is 40 at Connecticut. So if you're living in one of these states and you're going, wow, I'm in the bottom of the Sound Money Index, how can people work to kind of get their legislators and their houses and their committees to pass sound money legislation? The biggest thing is to contact your legislators. That's that's the truth of it. They're, they're, these, these legislative projects, successes that we've had would absolutely not have been possible without the efforts from people in the state, um, because ultimately that's what politicians react to. That's who they care to hear from. Um, so contacting your legislator, writing an email or sending sending an email or, or making a phone call are truly very effectual ways um, at the state level that, that you can enact policies in your community. Um, like you mentioned, these are these are 10 states that are worst on this issue. Um, I'm happy to say of these 10, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven of the 10, seven of them, we've introduced legislation to end the sales tax, income tax, or potentially both. 
Um, so, so there's promise even among these bottom states. And, and that's kind of, I think, the promise to take away from all of it, that even, you know, states that with with political leanings that typically you would think wouldn't be amenable to sound money policy ideas, or, you know, even what you might call blue states, or even um, states that, um, you know, more liberal policies, or, or whatever it is, th this issue is transcending yeah, political affiliation and political party and all of this, uh, you know, legislators, people in the state themselves, uh, elected officials, unelected officials are seeing more and more that, you know, the, the purchasing power of America's money is dying. And while that's largely a federal issue that, you know, stems from the, the Fed and the federal government, uh, there are still things that states can do. They don't necessarily have to sit there, you know, idly by while this happens. Um, and, and states are waking up and, and taking action to that end uh, more and more. And so hopefully 2024 uh, will be, will, um, that it'll be, it'll be the case that that is the case again. JP, number 26, right in the middle, mm. North Carolina. Can you give us a quick update on what's happening there? Yeah, so in North Carolina, we're working with uh, Representative Brody, who's the chief sponsor on this bill. Uh, and so this was originally a two-part bill. Um, the first bill would be to conduct a study, or rather, excuse me, the first um, section of the bill uh, would be to um, conduct a study for the state of North Carolina to continue or consider the pros and cons of establishing its own in-state bullion depository for precious metals and for specifically listed Bitcoin. Um, so that's the one specifically listed in the bill. That's the first section of the bill. The second section would have been, um, I believe it was $2 billion, a $2 billion appropriation in physical gold. Um, North Carolina has some idle funds um, the, that amount to several billion dollars. Um, so the, it was a very um, hopeful hack um, that was taken with that $2 billion number. Um, ultimately, the bill has gotten shaped through committees and the appropriation has since, uh, since uh, been removed from the bill. Um, but we recently passed a bill through the North Carolina House um, that would uh, prompt the state to conduct this uh, bullion and Bitcoin depository study. Um, and so we're working closely with um, the Blockchain Association um, and other you know, crypto groups in the state, um, as well as in-state precious metals advocates. Um, and that, that, again, passed the House, hopefully uh, here in August, when they return from, from summer break, we'll have some more movement, we'll have a, a hearing before a Senate committee, and hopefully have some good news to report before the end of 2023. JP, uh, final question for you here. What is a question that I should be asking all other guests of the Gold Exchange podcast for when they come on? Hmm. One question you should ask. I was, I was recently asked about um, if I, the question was, if you had $10,000 to invest. So this is how an interview, I was on a podcast and they closed with, um, if you had $10,000 to invest today that you can invest in gold, silver, or Bitcoin, where would you put that money? How would you split it up? Um, yeah. And I, I thought about it for a little bit. I asked, you know, the follow-ups, like, does it have to be one of these three? Can I invest them in something else? Um, but he, he, you know, held me to those three um, I think I ended up saying gold or, or rather silver. Oh, and it, in the next two years, you have to hold the, the investment for two years and then there you can cash out. Um, 
and I, I think I said like silver, the majority of it in silver and some of it in Bitcoin. Um, and he said that in, in all of the people answering the questions, you've got the zealots either way, you know, you've got people that are a hundred percent Bitcoiners that, you know, think that gold and silver aren't, you know, old, that's an old man's money. Um, and then you've got the people in precious metals that, you know, if crypto is a scam, Bitcoin doesn't make any sense. Um, but yeah, so it was interesting to kind of consider and and sort of fall somewhere in the middle um, of all of that. JP, where can people find more of your work and how to support the Sound Money Defense League? So you can find us at the soundmoneydefense.org. Um, you can find the Sound Money Index at moneymetals.com backslash sound-money-index. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. Uh, my Twitter is jpcortez27. Um, I, if you're in any of these states um, that Ben mentioned, especially the ones down at the bottom, uh, and you're listening, I'd strongly encourage you to join our mailing list. Um, we send out legislative alerts when there are uh, upcoming votes or uh, upcoming hearings, um, you know, events of importance. We, we keep our mailing list abreast of all of the latest developments. Um, so if you're in any of these states, if you want to get involved in any of these battles, um, please feel free to, um, to reach out to me personally and to, to make sure that you're added to um, the mailing list. JP, I want to thank you and the Sound Money Defense League so much. We're looking forward to more wins in 2023 and on to 2024. Thanks again. Thanks, guys. This episode was brought to you by Monetary Metals. Monetary Metals is a different kind of gold company. Others buy and sell gold. Monetary Metals operates the Gold Yield Marketplace, a platform of products that offer a yield on gold paid in gold to investors and institutions. And our gold financing simplified, reliable financing denominated in gold with a built-in hedge for gold using and gold producing businesses. To learn more, visit www.monetary-metals.com. See you next time.